You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. Today's episode is with Joanna Buchanan, who I love her pieces. She creates beautiful, sparkly, uh, high-end pieces to entertain, to gift for the hostess with the mostess. And she actually got started making Christmas ornaments, which I didn't know. So we're going to talk more about that in a second. But I wanted to share, I recently got back from my bachelorette trip. You guys might have uh, seen that. And we had Wheezy Towels. Wheezy Towels are my go-to. I love gifting them to friends as wedding gifts. I also have them um, in my bathrooms here. I have their beach towels that obviously we brought for my bachelorette. So I am thrilled to share with you guys that you can get 20% off your entire order with code the preppy podcast. And you can even do that on top of their discounted bundles. So their bundles plus the discount equals about 35% off, which is a huge deal. So you definitely want to check that out. The quality of their towels are amazing. You can go to wheezytowels.com. That's W-E-E-Z-I-E towels.com. And don't forget to use the code, the preppy podcast for 20% off your entire order that can be used on top of discounted bundles already. Um, and it is amazing. And also while you're there, I would suggest listening to the, the wheezy podcast episode. I interviewed one of the founders, uh, Liz a few months back. So that's a good one too. All right. Well now let's get into this week's episode. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live and what you do? I'm Joanna Buchanan. I have my own home decor business. I live in Connecticut. Um, The business is seven years old now and started um, very low key, very organic, bizarrely with Christmas ornaments as being the key thing um, to launch with, which is something I'd always wanted to do. Um, but not many people launch a business that way. And um, seven years later, here we are. We're in all the most amazing department stores around the world. We have our own uh, direct-to-consumer business. And here I am talking to you. <laughs> it's amazing. That's so fun. And I've been a fan of your products for years now. I think I initially started with um, the little cocktail picks that were bedazzled mm-hmm. and so fabulous. But now I have quite the collection. I just love them all. <laughs> I feel like those are the gateways drug the cocktail (laughs) exactly so let's start from the beginning essentially like what were you like as a child where did you grow up and were you entrepreneurial were you creative like did you watch your your mom decorate and entertain like talk to me about your childhood in the beginning yeah well I was super creative I um looking back now I'm like where did that come from I mean I was always kind of making my own fabric you know marker pens making fabric and then turning it into outfits (laughs) I was always decorating I didn't have dolls but I had stuffed animals so I was always um 
renovating their cardboard houses for them <laughs> with scraps of fabric from my grandmother's um, fabric, you know, linen closet. Um, so I was always very kind of uh, hands on creating things. I loved doing tie dye. I'd be painting wood. Like I was always super creative. And my mum was very into um, decorating. She loved to decorate. Um, she was super into Christmas decorating as well. Mm. So I remember she had this huge, co- we grew up in, I grew up in Hong Kong. Oh. Um, so we had this huge coffee table that she would do this amazing um, Christmas kind of display. She'd put tin foil down to look like um, ice, an ice skating pond. She'd have, you know, f- um forests of candles in trees and you know it was really and there would be sort of each corner would be a different sort of uh tableau I guess or is that the right word yeah Um, a little scene yeah a little scene so my mum was super into that kind of thing and she also really did like interior design as well she had really good taste so I think I was always surrounded by nice things and she was very creative in that way um, and, and she also loved to entertain. So we, you know, she liked to give, um, parties. She liked to have dinner parties. Um, so it was a lot of entertaining of my father's, you know, clients and stuff like that. So I guess I grew up with, with that just being part of what you do, you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. I mean, your mom sounds like she was so talented and such a great entertainer and decorator. How awesome to to watch her growing up then with all this. I know. It was fun. And we um it's I'm curious to know if we'll pass it on to our children, but for <laughs> my daughter's 13 mm-hmm. and um she wanted to have a Halloween party. And um, we said, fine, but it's on you. You know, you have to send out the invitations, do everything. And she did it all. And my husband was so proud. He's like, you know what? She's been watching you and she knows what to do. And she took it on. And part of the deal was she had to clear it all up as well. Um, Oh, wow. (laughs) That is awesome. That sounds like a fun project, though, for your daughter to like to take the reins with that. I feel like that has to be so cool. I remember when my mom let me decorate my uh, bedroom growing up. And I thought that was so fun to play decorator and get to pick out the paints and the fabrics and all. (laughs) I know. I know. The more you can have your children do at an early age, the better. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So now where and what did you study? Did you end up going to college? Like, was that something to do with art or maybe business? I I did a year's foundation in the UK at uh, Mm -hmm. Kingston um, University, which so a year's foundation course where you study all the different forms of art. So you do a bit of fashion, you do a bit of fine art, you do some graphic design. So a little bit of everything. And then you pick, um, you know, a definitive course, which was then another four years, which is a long time, um, (laughs) which I did in fashion marketing. Um, So that was a hybrid of fashion design and, um, and sort of business as it were. Uh, so in the end, I studied for five years, which and I loved ever. I loved it all because it was all so new, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't. You know, I'd gone to a traditional school where you do math and science and you know proper subjects, and then going to do fashion and graphics and stuff was not something I'd ever really done before. So it was really exciting. Yeah, you kind of did something similar than I as well because I um, 
I have a degree in fashion merchandising and communications PR. And I remember going to college and being like, oh my gosh, this stuff is like fun to learn about. It's not just, you know, the math and the sciences that we learned in high school, as you said. So that's awesome. So now what was your first career then after you left, you know, Mm. your four official years um, of fashion merchandising? Then what did you end up doing? Like, what was your career, your first career? I went to um, a big um, retailer in the UK mm-hmm. um, as a kind of product developer, sort of buyer designer. It's a role that doesn't really exist in the US, okay. um, but it, it was it was a it was a creative merchandising role, I guess you would put it. And I was there for quite some time, and they had a really strong um, training program for you know people, children, I want to say children out of school, <laughs> How old, young adults, I guess, um, out of school or out of university. So I was there for, for quite some time. Um, and that was in, um, and it was very specific by category. So I was in women's um, jumpers, which is sweaters to start with. And then I moved to cardigans. And then I moved back to sweaters. I mean, it's so funny with jumpers. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it was very, it was a very sort of specific um, role and category, but it allowed me to get really deep into, uh, into the kind of technical aspect of those mm-hmm. um, products, which I, you know, I find knitwear super interesting. And it was my first sort of love before accessories, it was my first love. So um, yeah, it was really, it was, it was a great training program. Very fun. So how long were you there then? Or, you know, what what did you do next then, basically? Did you start your own brand or was yeah. there something in between? No, I, I mean, I had a career in... So after that, mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to move to America. I felt like um, uh, my mum is American, even mm-hmm. though she lives in the UK. And I had come to New York for um, a training program as part of that uh, work experience and I just loved it and I I felt that I had done six years in London and I was ready for a change and so I got a job at Saks Fifth Avenue in a similar role uh, to what I'd been doing in London and then I was there for a year or two and then I went to Banana Republic as an accessory designer then I went to uh, Loft owned by Ann Taylor also as an accessory vice president. So I spent 20 years in the world of corporate retail and um, learned so much and really enjoyed it up until maybe the last couple of years when I think Mm. I had started seeing, I think you see the same kind of challenges come up again and again and you get a little bit tired of solving the same problems over and over again. And I think working for another brand is when you really are a creative person does become inhibiting and limiting after a while. Um, But in the end, they ended up eliminating my position. And so I lost my job. And, you know, so the timing wasn't necessarily what I had imagined. But I think mentally, I was ready to move on anyway. And that's when I decided to start my business, which was 
not so you asked me earlier was I an entrepreneur absolutely not not in a million years um it was not my goal to ever start my own business I'd always liked working for a big corporation where you have a lot of support um but it turned out that I had a bit more of an entrepreneurial germ and gem than I thought and um, my husband really encouraged me to to start and I also had an amazing group of women who I'd worked with over the years who really kind of gave me my first start and said, hey, come and do this for us, uh, you know, help us out with this. And I said, well, no, I don't want to do it if I'm working for you under another corporate brand. They said, fine, just do it on your own, be your own brand, do whatever you want, just come. So um, I had amazing, an amazing, amazing start. uh, And I started the business with One Kings Lane and you can't really get a better start than that so it all worked out (laughs) yes I actually think the first um those drink picks that I bought were from One King's Lean like years ago actually that's so funny yeah so so then tell me about a little bit you said you started with uh Christmas ornaments yeah so why Christmas ornaments like I feel like they're kind of like jewelry or accessories for a tree which then makes sense with your background but talk to me about you know the inspiration and why you chose that Well, it's funny because um, no one in their right mind, I don't think, says I'm going to start with Christmas decorations. But because um, an old colleague of mine at One Kings Lane said, come and do something for me. And I said, I'm done with accessories. You know, I've done jewelry for so long now. I need to take a break from it. I'll come and do home and I'll do Christmas decor. And she said, you're out of your mind, but okay. Um, so it's, I think, I think what I wanted to bring to the table was something very different in Christmas. And my very first collection was really the, the jeweled clips, the jeweled bug clips and jeweled hanging, uh, bug ornaments. And, you know, the, at first the buying team was like, wait a minute, where's Santa? Um, and there was no Santa and there was no Rudolph and it was not what you would expect for Christmas. Yeah. And I think it was a risk. Um, but to me, it seemed absolutely natural and I couldn't fathom why anyone was concerned about putting jeweled <laughs> bugs on a tree, you know? Um, so, so it started with that. Um, and I think that's what really, you know, by coming in with a very different point of view that didn't feel different or it just felt like that was what it should be to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that gave us a really interesting kind of start. And it also showed us pretty quickly that people really responded to that. It was mm-hmm. so exciting that um, it didn't have to be a Santa. Um, yes. And and then you start to get literally, I know it's such a pun, you get the bug of um, <laughs> what else can I do? And where else would this be interesting? And, and and I was very nervous because I had no history in the home business at all, mm. and didn't know, barely knew categories, you know, what do you mean one's casual dining and one's formal, you know, it to me, yeah. it's all the same. Um, and that was it. So it was a massive learning curve and still is. And I think that's what I'm still really enjoying about it is that I didn't know anything. Um, I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know the rules that I could and couldn't break. Whereas in fashion accessories and in women's apparel, I'd done it so long for so long that I kind of knew the answer to every question that I asked, you know? Yeah. Um, so so I can't even remember the question. So I think that's 
don't think that was the question. Um, was how did I start in Christmas? Oh, and why did I start on Christmas? I honestly think it was to do with my mother. I think, you know, her the impact of that whole ritual of bringing down the ornaments every Christmas from the attic, opening them up with the family, discussing every year which were our favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that whole ritual and um, sort of story really meant something to me and really appealed to me. And that idea of kind of opening up a sort of slightly tattered piece of tissue paper, but finding the most incredible jeweled ornament in there that your great grandmother had collected when she traveled through Europe, you know, and that really is what we did every year. And that was, that had such an impact on me as a child. And I think I'm, I want to try and recreate that and have things that last and aren't disposable. That's my whole thing is like, you know, it doesn't have to change every year by one or two things and build on a collection. Don't sort of start afresh every year and say this year I'm doing, I don't know, purple and then everything (laughs) else is negated. So, um, yeah. So I think that's how the Christmas thing kind of came about. Yeah. I love that. And I'm someone, I have actually very little red in my house. So I decorate, (laughs) I decorate when it comes to Christmas, I don't do like the Santa or the traditional red. So I like that, you know, you are thinking outside the box and you're, you were doing something that wasn't necessarily out there as much back then. And um, because there are people like me that, you know, want a bedazzled Christmas tree or want some other fun colors and Christmas isn't necessarily just red and green and Rudolphs and Santas, like you said. (laughs) Well, I'm going to tell you a terrible story. And this makes me such a bad mother is I think last year, the children were like, mom, can we put some red on the tree? And I said, yeah, no, I think this is, this is another year with no red for Christmas. And they kind of, my husband looked at me like, like I was a monster and I was like hey you know what when they're old enough they can have their own trees but my <laughs> tree doesn't have red on it you know um, so yeah it, it's terrible it's really terrible and then everyone says to me well of course Christmas is red and I'm like is it who decided that you know why can't it be gold and silver instead exactly <laughs> and pink it should yes. be pink um Oh my gosh, that's so, yeah, hilarious. So those are the rules that I did not know about. Um, <laughs> and and then just and now I know them I still I still don't allow red. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh no. So now you went in making these uh Christmas ornaments and it was a completely different category than anything you had ever done before, as you were saying. So yeah. like how did you how'd you learn it? Was it just taking to to Google and figuring things out? Was it relying, like you said, on some of your friends in the industry? Um like how did you I, I think it's something to have an idea, but then to to make it actually happen. Like right. tell me about some of those steps or those tips. Well I think um I think I I knew the way I wanted to go in the sense of I wanted to do jewelry quality pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reached out and worked with a lot of um, factories that I had worked with previously. So I was I am very familiar with how to get things done and how to get things made just because of my background. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I sketch everything up first. I know what you know what stone colors I want to use what plating colors I want to use and I because I've done it for so long in the jewelry world 
that whole sampling process was really straightforward because all because I had it all in my brain of what I wanted it to look like. Um, I think when I started feeling brave enough to branch out, that's when it gets more difficult finding sources um, to manufacture you people that you don't necessarily know and haven't worked with. So that's always a risk. Um, Mm. For example, I'd never done glass, you know, hand blown glass ornaments until last year. And I had been really wanting to, to work into that um, and to explore that whole world of blown glass, but I knew no one and I didn't want to do it. I I wanted it to be hand done. I didn't want to do it in in a really kind of um, high manufactured kind of way. Uh, so I really just started reaching out to everyone I'd ever known and met and said, hey, anyone know any glass blowers that, um, you know, do Christmas ornaments or could be capable of doing this? Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because I ended up um, with a friend of a friend's mother who used to work in the Czech Republic and knew a glass blower. And that's how I got put in touch with them. And that was a really nice way of doing it because then at least there was some personal collection connection and some level of trust um, because it's a lot of work to develop a new collection and you need to be working with factories that can not only develop it, but that can actually deliver it as well. Mm. Um, So I think having some kind of personal knowledge is super helpful. The other thing that I have started using, which I didn't originally, is I have started using an agent in Asia, a sourcing agent in Asia. Um, Again, as I get into new categories and categories that I have no experience in, you kind of need a little bit of extra help because you want to be sure you're in factories that are compliant um, and have corporate social uh, responsibility um, standards that are adhered to, you know, there's yeah. so much that can go wrong. So by having an, a trusted agent, and again, this agent came to me through, again, a lot of questions, who does anyone know anyone, I found them through that. So there's a personal connection there, which to me, is really important when you're sourcing and starting with new factories. No, definitely. That's that's great advice. <laughs> so now uh, you mentioned how you found um, your source for glasses then when you wanted to make those products. So how has your brand um, sort of changed over the years? Like for someone listening yeah. who might not be familiar with your brand today, like yeah. what are your product offerings um, that you offer today? So, yeah, it's interesting um, because I'm my own boss. I've had no one to say no to me about <laughs> anything, which you would well know. It's kind yeah. of great um, <laughs> until you make a mistake and then it's all your fault. Um, but I think I have all, there are certain areas that I've always loved. And um, so obviously jewelry and tabletop was one of them. But I also love textiles. I spent a lot of time in India, worked in India for three years Um, for an Indian textile company. So I have a huge passion for textiles and I really wanted to explore that and what would that look like under the Joanna Buchanan brand. Um, And so we started doing some decorative pillows. We started doing tree skirts and tree stockings for Christmas. Um, So really kind of building out that side of uh, our world, which to me gives the brand a lot of dimension and some softness as well, because otherwise it can be quite, you know, it's a lot of 
casted molded pieces and glass stones and I loved having the the softer textiles in the collection and kind of mixing it with what we had already um there were other things that I really wanted to try like this year for example we we're launching melamine plates Mm -hmm. that was a challenge never done that before um but again when you start to think about how you want to dress the whole table your brain just goes and goes and you know they're expensive categories to start in because you're making molds you're creating custom artwork um but we've moved slowly and um we have an audience now and a customer who really appreciates the aesthetic so then it becomes an organic kind of exploration of well what other categories can we build into and we test it and we see if it works and great if it does if it doesn't okay you know we we try not to go too big too quickly Mm -hmm. um in the new categories but we now cover we have so many things we have decorative objects we have beautiful candlesticks and semi-precious stones we have jewelry which was a big uh thing to come back to after so long um but that's doing really well for us so i think you know we're not trying to be everything to everyone we're still a very edited and curated collection um and i think that's what makes us special is that we touch a lot of categories but we don't necessarily go too deep into them. It's really what I'm feeling for the season and what I think is beautiful. And once I've developed an idea and explored it, I may leave it alone for a year and then not come back to it for another year when I have some different ideas that I want to, you know, explore and design into. Yeah, it's it's about the lifestyle then too, yeah. it sounds like too, which is, um, you know, it all plays off of each other very well. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I was talking to an editor once Um, And I said, oh, my God, I feel like our pillow collection isn't big enough. Like, should it be bigger? And she said, no, because everyone can do a massive collection. Mm -hmm. What people come to you for is the edit and the kind of point of view on color and what is beautiful and what is sophisticated. And that's, you know, if you start to get too broad, you really lose that sort of laser Mm -hmm. focus on what you believe is beautiful. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. So what would you say has been your biggest marketing tool in in getting the word out and uh, getting your products in front of customers? Like, has it been social media, maybe email, word of mouth? Like, what's been the greatest tool for you? Oh, God, I don't honestly know if I could say there was one specific Mm -hmm. lever that we kind of pulled and it magically happened. Um, I think it has been... um, a consistent approach and a consistent point of view that has built the customer base that we have. Um, And we do not manufacture anything on Instagram. It's all, you you know, we, we do it all ourselves. The images are, it's a fine balance between, you know, Joanna's life in inverted commas and product. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Um, I think, a word of mouth and uh, uh, the fact that people um, find us and keep coming back over and over again for gifts for other people, for themselves, for certain times of year. I think that just takes time to build a brand. It's really hard. I mean, unless you've got like bottomless pocket pits of money, um, 
it's hard to go out and be everywhere at all, you know, wherever a customer, you know, I, everywhere I go, I see Kim Kardashian skims, like, (laughs) you know, like, and I'm like, I didn't even ever like them. And still they're always there, you know? Um, And we didn't have that kind of money. So it was really um, uh, just sort of being, you know, staying true to what we felt um, we wanted to do and who our customer was, and then just trying different avenues. We definitely did a lot of, um, we've done and continue to do a lot of gifting on Instagram to influencers that we feel, um, you know, have a similar aesthetic to us. And also I'm not a brilliant sort of content in inverted commas creator. So I love sending things out and having other people style them and do it their way. To me, that's really interesting because I'll always come at it from how I would, you know, obviously my point of view, but I love seeing tables styled in a different way and our products used in a different way. That's honestly one of the things I love the most. Um, And then we have a PR team, obviously, who do a really brilliant job of getting us in magazines and, you know, getting me in front of the people that are writing about home and talking about home and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I'd say it's a multi-prong attack. (laughs) And I like how you mentioned it's consistent. Like I think a lot of people, they want overnight success and that's not normally how it happens (laughs) unless, like you said, you're a Kardashian. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think, um, you know, and, and it's interesting for our customers we see customers who have been with us for years, but they may not not buy every year. They may come back after two years and buy something again. And that you can't rush. Like that takes time because yeah. it's two years. And I think, you know, when I look at brands that I aspire to or that I admire, they're brands that have been around for a, a long time um, because there's an integrity to the product. There's an integrity to their philosophy and their customer service and all those things that kind of add up and build the brand that you want to create. Yeah. Now, what would you say you're most proud of with your brand? Like what's been your greatest success in terms of business and your brand, would you say? It's so funny because every year something happens and I'm like, it doesn't get better than that, (laughs) you know? And then I'm like, oh my God, it just got better. (laughs) Um, So that's always, you just never know um, what's going to surprise you. But there have definitely been some massive highlights. I would say one of the early ones was when Anna Wintour bought some of our napkins oh, wow. um, from the website. And you yeah. see her name pop up and you're like, oh my God. Um, so that was a really exciting one. Um, I think, uh, you know, another one recently is Lisa Vanderpump. She bought some things from us and now we've become kind of like, we chat occasionally, well, quite often about tabletop and things oh, like that. Goodness. So You know, so she's someone who I think what, so one of the proud things, I guess, is reaching people who I would not normally have spoken Mm -hmm. to um, through what, through the designs that I love to create. So that's really amazing. Um, I think we were in vogue uh, uh, in December on their, one of their gifting pages. That was massive. That was a massive Mm -hmm. highlight for me personally, having always grown up reading Vogue to actually be on the pages was kind of incredible. Um, and then, you know, there are people that reach out to us and you just, you know, like we have been talking to um, a big auction house about doing some collaborations with them. And when those sort of things come up, you're like, wow, how did that happen? So 
I think it's really hard to put it down to one mm-hmm. because, oh, again, another one, like right at the beginning was when Harrods picked us up. I was like, oh my God, my collection's in Harrods. Like, you just can't believe that that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. And then there you are. So I think it's been a series of pinch me moments, yeah. um, which is super exciting because you never want to feel jaded or blase about anything. No, for sure. I love the Lisa Vanderpump one. My <laughs> bachelorette party is in June and I have a housewife's theme night and I'm dressing up as Lisa oh Vanderpump god. for it. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny because we actually it's so weird, but for some reason we have this weird like sort of strange connection with a lot of the housewives. Like I did um I helped Margaret Josephs from New Jersey style yeah. some of her tables for a photo shoot that she did. I think it was last summer. And then Jill Zarin asked me to do her Hanukkah table. So I did. I mean, it's so fun. (laughs) And then um, we did something for Utah as well. Um, Angie Harrington, who is not a housewife, but was a friend of housewife. All right. So now on the flip side to your greatest success or moments, what would you say is the greatest challenge that you have with business and your brand and work? I think the biggest challenge, there are a couple of challenges. One is you never switch off. And the bigger you get, the more your brain expands to cover and track everything that's going on. Um, And the other piece of that is you're still expected to be creative. Like I'm still the designer here. Mm -hmm. And so while I'm worrying about shipments and, you know, uh, setups with department stores and integrations I'm also I still have to find time to let my brain run free and not worry about things like that and be creative and design um but I'm very disciplined and that I really and I design all the time in my head so like I can be driving the children to lacrosse and I'll be thinking oh what if we did butterflies in this next you know so yeah I feel like you never switch off so that's a good and a bad thing um I think the other thing that's a challenge is we are a self-funded business um and having never started a business before I always thought I could be a self-funded business why couldn't I fund growth um by myself And you realize that you do need um, to become, you know, who you want to be and to scale the way you need to be or want to scale to. You do need um, you do need to really look at where your funds are coming from and how can you fund growth. And I think that's not something I'd ever done before. So that is definitely challenging. Um, But, you know, I always feel like you figure it out. You just do. Um, and it's never, you know, there are a lot of sleepless nights, um, when you worry about how it's all going to come together and how everyone's going to get paid and, you know, the, just the logistics of cash flow, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you usually, if you, if you're working with partners who have worked with you for a while and who know where you're headed, you can usually work things out so that, you know, everyone's happy with terms and, you know, where things are going. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, those are things that all of us entrepreneurs struggle with. So you're not alone on that. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not alone. I don't know if that makes it any easier when you're not sleeping. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> 
So since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask yes. everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? Like, how would you describe it in these modern times? Like, what's the meaning of Preppy to you? That's such a good question, because I was like, she's going to ask me what I think Preppy <laughs> is. Um, I, it, I, I definitely think it's an American thing. Mm. Um, so I look at it, um, I guess, from an outside lens, which may or may not be a good thing. I'm not sure. But I, when I think of preppy, I think of color. Um, I think of pattern. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think of Florida. I will not lie. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think of Palm Beach. But then I go down, well, there's that whole Nantucket thing going on. So, um, But I, I think, it, to me, it's, it's a joyful expression. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually really looked at some of the prep kind of what I would view preppy icons or preppy colors for the collection for this spring and summer. And it was really fun. I was like, you know, cause there are certain brands that you, you know, like Lily Pulitzer mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. Um, and kind of old Lily Pulitzer as well. Yeah. Um, that you, so, you know, there, and the icons of palm trees and flamingos and things like that. I've always had in the collection, but I sort of said to myself, well, what if we amplified those? And what if we really did them, you know, in a even more over the top way? And what if the color did get a bit bolder? So, and I think that's partly coming out of COVID. I was just ready for a lot of color and a lot of, um, you know, that's sunshine and happiness. Exactly. (laughs) Me preppy, when I think of preppy, I think of that. So it was, it was kind of a good, uh, combination of time and time and concept I guess no that's a great answer and I do like your little outside perspective and that you mentioned Florida yes <laughs> so um one of my last questions is what's next for you like any sneak peeks like what collection are you working on is there a new product or a new um design sort of you can give us a sneak peek of well, we're, we're, you know, we've actually already placed all of our orders for holiday 22 oh, wow. already. So everything's been placed. Everything's going on a boat this year because we can't afford to air it. <laughs> um, but what I get to do now are the kind of bits and bobs, like the really over the top pieces that we probably won't be offering to the department stores, but will just be on our site. Okay. Um, and they're not the bread and butter. And they're the things that I get to really play with. So I just had the most incredible um, delivery actually yesterday mm-hmm. of um, Capice. I, I love Capice, um, Capice Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And they are absolutely crazy and over the top, but so fun. And I was just talking to my um, production um partner this morning about how are we going to ship them because they're big (laughs) and um you know how are we going to sell them and how are people going to use them and you know what will make it easy but I was loving this idea of like an instant kind of Christmas table decoration um that's just sort of you know you I have some really old feather trees from years ago that I bought from somewhere and I literally just have to put them on the table and I'm like oh Christmas is done (laughs) um so I wanted that kind of instant like gosh you know, it's the 1st of December, I want to signal something, but I'm not ready to go full out yet. Um, So anyway, so we're going to do this nest of three sizes of these beautiful 
um, handmade and they are all hand pieced and handmade uh, Capiz Christmas trees. So I'm excited about that. Ooh. And I grew, I actually was born in the Philippines. So Capiz is um, a material that I love to use because it reminds me of my birthland and also it takes the light and the color so well. So I find it a really interesting um, material to play with. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then we're also doing some really cool um, stocking hooks for this year, which is funny because when I talk to our department store uh, partners, I'm always like, what are you missing? What what don't you have? And they're like, no one ever does nice stocking hooks. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start sourcing a stocking hook or how do I have a factory that can make it? Um, but one of our factories came through. So we've got really beautiful um stocking hooks for Christmas. So we're really expanding the Christmas assortment. We're expanding the glass assortment of hand-blown balls because that did so well for us last year. Um, And so we're expanding that in the most incredible techniques. I can't wait um, to put those into the world because uh, again, I I sent them to the glass blower and they were like, we've never done anything like this. And I'm like, let's give it a go. Um, And I love it when that happens, when they're like, we've never done this before. That's to me the ultimate, like, oh, I love it. You know, I love to challenge the factories with, with things like that. So (laughs) Christmas will be, um, Christmas will be over the top this year. It's going to be fun. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. I, I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. So I'm looking forward to these new products. Yeah. Thank you. So my final question is where can everyone find you? So let them know your Instagram handle, your website URL, that way they can follow along and shop your amazing products. Um, Instagram is Joanna Buchanan official because someone had Joanna Buchanan (laughs) and I, my, my number two, my number one or number two or whatever. She's like, I think you have it. You just didn't know you had it. I was like, yeah, that's probably true. So it's Joanna Buchanan official. And then uh, the website is joannabuchanan.com. And we obviously um, would much rather our customers come to our website than any of the other department stores that stock us because um, it's more profitable for us. And we feel that we can really give the, the customers are much better experienced. The full collections on the website, you're going to get m- a much more personal touch if you come to us that way rather than a big department store. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. I absolutely loved learning more about you and your brand. Um, and I'm so excited for the, the new products and upcoming collections. Thank you. I It was so nice chatting with you. Really nice thing to do on a Tuesday morning that's a little bit gray outside. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.